1: On Afternoons with Helen Farmer today, we have got Santa in the studio. We were discussing overwhelm and mum guilt at this very busy time of year. What things can you put in place for your sanity and your time management? We had the father and daughter diving duo raising awareness around coral conservation. And experiential purchases, would you rather find something to do or a material gift under the tree this year? Now, as my dad says, ask a silly question, you'll get a silly answer. Are you feeling overwhelmed right now? (laughs) She said, crying softly into the microphone. Yes, I am, Helen. Yes, I am. I hear everybody out there saying Um, from holidays to family, end of year targets, social, financial pressures. It is a lot. It is a lot. Um, so I feel you. I really do. Um, and we're bringing in the experts today and all the way through next week as well to give you a bit of extra support, because in the studio, we've got Charlotte Hockley from Optimum. She's a certified positive psychology coach, Gallup Global Strengths Coach, and was in the corporate world for decades, um, 10 of those years in leadership positions. She now works to support working mums in leadership to help them live their optimum life um, and also works with companies, helping them create an environment that can help people with their employee well-being not just for the good of their employees but i'm sure for their bottom line as well um charlotte thank you so much for being with us how is your overwhelm right now i'm actually in a good place thank you yes. very much
2: i'm very happy to be here i'm glad you are <laughs>
1: i'm glad you are oh, now i bumped into you at a very kind of fortuitous time yesterday because i'd had a really tough morning i'd cried twice once, <laughs> once, to, once to my embarrassment on coach mesa who was a regular on the show you know when someone looks at you and they go How are you? And you go and they're like, oh, God, you're speaking to my soul. And then you lose it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That was that was (laughs) me yesterday. And, you know, a combination of things, as I said, you know, Christmas, the kids are off. Nanny's on leave having a break as she as she should Um, work is hectic. A a lot, a lot. Um, So if anyone is struggling, you are you are far from alone. And then we bumped into each other and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is just so fortuitous because I'd love to have you on the show and and then we made it happen. Um, would you <laughs> mind telling us a little bit about your mission with Optimum? I guess reflecting on a little bit of your career, but also some
2: of the gaps you'd identified, Charlotte. Yeah, of course. Um, so as you said, I was in corporate for 20 years. Sounds like a very long time. Um, and after I had my son, um, he'll be five next month. Um, I kind of thought I would be able to return to work be able to work like I'm not a mum and be able to mum like I don't have a job. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had quite a stressful job, 24 seven, kind of um, head of an insurance company. Um, And I just kind of broke. It was just too much, there was just so much going on. Um, Some days I felt like I was smashing it, other days I didn't and I didn't even feel like I'd touched my to-do list. Mm -hmm. Um, So through a lot of kind of self-development, the positive psychology was key and the strength development. Um, I just thought and kind of talking to other people as well friends and just people out and about and networking things it's just everywhere but no one talks about it everyone just kind of sticks on the hamster wheel and just continues with it um, until they can't so through everything that i've been doing as i said for myself and overcoming the mum guilt the overwhelm the lack of self care etc and i decided to step away from corporate which wasn't an easy easy decision because no, sure it's a long standing career exactly when you think about that identity and
1: especially when you're doing well you know that that's an even bigger decision if if you're not if you're not really enjoying it and it's not you know you haven't progressed mm-hmm. that's I, i'm sure for many a bit of an easier break but mm-hmm. when and I think I'm, I'm certainly, I don't want to say guilty of that, but certainly something I do is kind of intertwining work and life and identity and purpose. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is who I am to go, OK, well, what if I'm somebody else and maybe I won't be good at that or I'll be starting from a, a different point? Mm-hmm. That must have been significant. It's,
2: yes. It, as I said, it wasn't an, an easy decision or a light decision, I suppose. But my mission and passion is to help working mums overcome the overwhelm, the mum guilt, the, they're not feeling like they can put themselves first. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the key thing. Um, and I've named my company Optimum um, and the Optimum Life. Um, and I support my clients to find their optimum life, whatever, it, whatever that may be. Um, yeah. What are some of the common challenges that are
1: coming to you, Charlotte? What are some of the patterns you're noticing in clients? The key thing,
2: the top thing is being present. Really? That is the the number one conversation. <sighs> the kind of mum put your phone away type conversations. E- exactly. or,
1: or as I'm doing a lot, I just need to send this. I just need to send this. Just give me one second. Yep.
2: And then, yeah, of course. Exactly. And then gone past. work your thinking about home. And, of course. I don't know, another... Non uniform day, whatever may be well, coming up at school. <laughs> 10
1: minutes before I went on air, I got a message from my mum saying, The good news is we've had a lovely time at Mikato. The bad news is the girls have got knits. I was like of course they oh, do no, of course they do that's just fantastic <laughs> oh, Babs thank you so much so I'm there messaging the no more lice ladies literally 10 minutes before coming on air being like can you come to the house would that be okay how much is it can I have wet hair Da-da-da-da-da. and then being like hi welcome to the show <laughs> Yep. <Yeah. laughs> you know, you know the, the juggle is real so it, it is. you put it beautifully there in terms of you know feeling like you your heart and head are sometimes in, in two places and perhaps that you're not filling your potential in, in either of those roles Mm -hmm. so being present what are some of the um bits of advice that you offer up to to mums who feel that
2: way so the key things is awareness so being mindful um and paying attention to the here and now um if you have children at home you can kind of bat them away in a gentle way of course if you're on your phone Mm -hmm. um a number of times but they are going to keep coming back because they're fighting for your attention Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately these days with your phones with your laptops everything is so accessible so it's easy just to as you said pick your phone up oh I'll just send this other email and then it's done and then once you've done that something else comes in
1: and this is the thing in the old days um you left your emails at work largely yeah, know, yeah there was you might no bring some papers no home but you know you weren't necessarily on call and then you know there came the age of the blackberry and I remember a friend being like oh, I've got a new job like oh, you know I they've given me a blackberry and people are going you're mad that you're pleased about that. They can, <laughs> they're expecting you to work all the time now,
2: you mug. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you mentioned BlackBerry because when I moved, I was in Hong Kong before here and it was one of the things I said to my boss at the time. I said, well, I have to have a BlackBerry because I'll be on call. And it was exactly that. And I was mm. like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like, I'm always going to be on call. And the flip side of it was, I was always on call. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about some strategies <laughs>
1: to help with that Presence um, and of course a bit of bit of the guilt that I think a lot of people, myself included, are feeling at this time of year. If you are struggling, if you are suffering, um, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can be completely anonymous. We 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 truly do understand, and I'm hoping Charlotte Hockley can offer up some time management skills because well, it's not going well in the farmer household right now. <laughs> Charlotte Hockley from Optimum is with us. She supports working mums to help them live their optimum life. We've been talking about being present, one of the main pain points that her clients come to her with. And mum guilt at Christmas was, as soon as I saw yesterday, I was like, can we talk about mum guilt <laughs> at Christmas? Because I'm really, really feeling it. And I think that one of the reasons I got so upset yesterday is because my parents are in town to help, obviously, with the kids when I'm working. I feel like I'm coming home from work, truth be told, quite depleted and i want to be a lovely charming host for my parents and i'm not i feel like i want to look after them but i also need them to look after me and i've got the kids who don't seem to understand and i don't blame them because they're six and eight that you know their mum and dad's holidays do not tally with the school holidays (laughs) So I'm feeling an awful lot of guilt. And as a result of it, I feel like I'm going to end up overpacking the weekend with like so-called magical experiences um, and you know, really kind of trying my best. And I'm spent. I'm completely spent. So mum guilt, I'm sure we can talk about it all year round, but it does seem to kind of go through the roof a little bit at this time. What do you think?
2: It definitely does because you've obviously got the end of year coming up. So you've got the additional work pressures, mm-hmm. targets, um, The wrapping up of the year, client events, end of like um, Christmas parties, plus all the stuff going on at school with their festive things. Um, So, the first thing I always say is give yourself some grace, take a breath. Um, Everyone is doing the best that they can. Um, I think when it comes to actually being there, what I tend to work for me and does work for my clients is having something to ease that transition. So, when I was working in my corporate role, I would drop my son to school. I would put music on in the car. I would be singing. Mm -hmm. It's a very short short journey across the road, um, but singing. And when I got to the office, I would literally sit in the car park for two to three minutes and just breathe. Deep breaths, ground yourself. Because what I was finding and what my clients find is if you don't kind of center yourself, you then bring that negative energy and negative emotion into the space you're entering.
1: I think I need to do it the other way around. I think I need to sit in my car outside my house because 100 is kind of. I think a lot of people are feeling really heightened right now. You know, we're kind of living in our in our heads, and you know. I know a lot of people are struggling to sleep, you know, lots Mm -hmm. of to-do lists whizzing around heads. And um, I actually got this message on social media early today when I was sharing what we were talking about. And it said, um, hi, Helen, thanks for this. Um, Everything feels on top of me. Work life, the kids are sick with proper flu. Um, I've got extra stress because of uncaring managers at work. Almost no Christmas shopping done, no decorations up, a really hectic schedule up until Christmas and a hefty dose of menopause thrown in for good measure. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. I did phone in sick this morning because I can barely function. I don't know what I'm asking, but I feel like a mess. Um, I'm not going to share the name that was on that message, but Mm -hmm. thank you for getting in touch. And I I think you're far from alone in that experience of overwhelm right now. So for anyone who... I mean, the phrase which came to mind is there is, you know, can't see the wood for the trees, where it feels too much. Like you can't grasp onto anything. You start having a thought and your brain just starts whizzing off in a completely different direction. What advice would you give Charlotte for helping this mum start to feel a little bit more in control, put some plans in place? I mean, you've already said, I think the most important thing is having a bit of self-compassion
2: self-compassion is key absolutely because this is a lot you're dealing with a lot she has an awful lot going on absolutely um so self-care first of all I would start with a bit of self-care and what do
1: you mean by self-care because I feel like people have different definitions for some people it's like I'm gonna have a manicure and some people it's like I'm
2: gonna scream into a pillow or other people it's like I'm gonna take myself off for a walk all of the above <laughs> maybe not the scream you. into the pillow but <laughs> all of the above whatever so you can't pour from an empty cup and it sounds like this this lady at the minute she is an empty cup mm-hmm. so she needs to kind of um, prioritize things as difficult as it is in a, as you said can't see the words for the trees um but do things that fill you up so it could be have a bath it could be go for a walk do some yoga read a book so even just sit outside and have a cup of tea mm-hmm. um those things again it's all about grounding yourself and giving yourself the self-compassion to be able to move forward and give yourself a bit of a break yeah Um, When it comes to the other things that you were talking about, um, time management. So the thing at the moment is um, the Christmas list, the Christmas gifts. She hasn't bought the gifts and everyone needs to wrap, etc. So maybe leave that for just a moment. Focus on yourself and the things that you can kind of move right now, move forward right now. Um, There's always Amazon. There's all of these things that you can do online shopping Mm -hmm. to get get the delivery. And if she needs support, support is key. For anybody, um, especially when you are feeling in that, like, that level of overwhelm. So reach out to someone, reach out to a friend, call a family member, um, send a DM. She's more than welcome to send me a DM um, and I'll have a chat with her mm-hmm. um, to help, essentially. The time management
1: thing is... is- is real I think for an awful lot of people I feel like everyone's days are just sliding by it's <laughs> in, in, in it's at scary speed um I've spoken to you know quite a lot of people who talk about you know productivity and good habit forming and something that's kind of really stuck with me is especially as, as this message about just feeling like you've got so much on your plate that exactly that what can I do now What can I get off that list as soon as possible to make me feel like I've taken some control, it's boosted my confidence, I can achieve things. It's not just this kind of abstract pile of panic. Um, What is urgent? What, I mean, really, what could wait? (laughs) This is the thing at this time of year, what's a now problem and what's a January problem? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, are there any things that you find useful for time management in, in general,
2: maybe not even Christmas specific, And mm-hmm. um, when people are, are juggling an awful lot on their plate, Charlotte? The the key thing I, I find is getting it out of your head and onto paper. So write down absolutely everything that you have to do, whether it be work or home. Mm. And then what I always recommend is go through highlight. The priorities not everything on this list as you just said is a now problem and needs to be fixed now mm-hmm. so really go through highlight the ones that you need to do um with kids um a really big thing that i find helps is whatever's going on the next day i have everything ready by the front door Um, the night before. So all of our clothes are out there upstairs, literally everything down to my son's pants. They are all there on the hanger. The shoes are by the front door. The bags are packed because otherwise I'll forget the book bag, Mm. whatever it may be, football kits, all of this, all of this stuff. Um, And it's about, it's about not putting the pressure on yourself in the morning as well. So if you can navigate some of that the night before, That can start your morning off a lot easier.
1: I was really grateful to myself the other day. I was driving home from Expo. We were at COP and I'd stopped on my way home to get petrol. And I was like, look at you looking out for future (laughs) Helen. And the next morning I was like... Oh, thank you, Helen, of 12 hours ago. You must have felt amazing. I felt like a grown-up, <laughs> yes. Charlotte. I felt like a grown-up. And we've run out of time. Um, thank you so much for coming in. I thank think just normalising a lot of the issues that a lot of people are facing right now. And I know compared to global issues, it all sounds very first world when I'm talking about, you know, my kids have nits and my nanny's away. But... Um, it's everyone has a lot on their plate right now. It's life. It's Dubai life. Um, and thank you for, for thank offering you. up some really actionable advice for anyone that does want to, you know, avail of, you know, the Instagram
2: advice or contact you for coaching. What's the best way of getting in touch? So LinkedIn, I'm Charlotte Hockley on LinkedIn um, and then Instagram. Um, so it's underscore underscore optimum okay if you want that you can send me the word mum I will send you the link so you can find out more
1: Charlotte thank you so much let's catch up in the new year I would love that we've got other challenges I would love that (laughs) sounds like a plan thank you so so much Um, and indeed if you want to hear more if you've missed anything from earlier in the show the podcast is available very soon indeed you can get that on Apple Amazon Spotify and the Dubai Eye website Santa is in the building if you've got a question for him get in touch I've got lots Lots and lots of questions. I want to know what cookies, what are kids asking for? We're talking about crafting a career in Dubai. Maybe a bit of self-reflection as we come to the end of the year. It's your career clinic. Natasha D'Souza is with us today. She is a business journalist, leadership coach, a speaker. She's contributed to Fortune magazine, Harvard Business Review, and has been working for years and years across business intelligence, international news, strategic communications here, London, Washington, D.C., and more. Thank you for making time for us. How are you, Natasha? I'm good. Good to see you, Helen. I'm really fascinated by your three P's because I feel like what we're going to talk about today will resonate with an awful lot of people in different ways, depending on their life stage, their career stage, their intentions for 2024, what they're reflecting on as well. Um, can, so let's first talk about what the three P's are. Then we're going to expand on them. And I've already had messages for people who are feeling a bit stuck in a rut, for want of a better phrase. So let's, well, you, which P do you want to start with?
3: Well, I'll take you a, a little bit behind yes. the, the framework I had in mind when I thought about the three P's. I mean, this year marks 20 years for me as a professional. It shocks me. It's been 20 years. Me
1: too. You as well? Yeah, I, gradu- well, I graduated in 2003. Same. So I've been in the world.
3: Me too. 20 years. And it hit me this summer. Gosh, you know, what um, has, what has, I think, you know, stood out for me in my career? And a lot of it was the fact that it was navigating key transitions when they came up for me. And some of them, the more I reflected, came up more than once. Go on, you know, can co- you share? Pivoting my career is something I've been doing. Right from my first job, I started my career in the August of 2003 in Washington, D.C. And within a year, I'd moved from that first role in business intelligence into dabbling in international news, because that is a dream I had when I was a teenager. And I thought, I'm in one of the world's most powerful cities. So why should That's I true. not make the most of breaking into a news bureau there and you know giving it a go? So my goal there was going through my checklist of industries and roles that spoke to me, but doing it at a very young age. So there was never gonna be what ifs for me
1: moving forward. Are you a bit of a planner, if you don't mind me asking? No,
3: I am not much of a planner. I'm a very intuitively driven person. But when an intuition speaks to me, then I can formulate some kind of a frame or a plan, if you want to call it, in my mind fairly quickly.
1: That really resonates with me because I'm not a planner. I, I, in some ways, really envy people who are on a very clear career path, you know, whether it's because of the industry or because of their personality. But I'm also a little bit suspicious of people who go, in five years time, I'm going to be doing this. And I kind of go, well what if something else incredible comes along? What if something completely unpredictable comes along? And sometimes you set yourself up a little bit.
3: Exactly. And I also, I think it's great to have a plan, but I think even more than that, it's important to have flexibility, mm. particularly in the world that we live in today where we're seeing a lot more volatility and the pace of change is far more frenetic than at any other time in history because of technology, because of the amount of information we are being inundated with as human beings, we have never been more spoiled for choice in terms of what TV channel I want to watch, you know, what show I want to consume, what magazine I want to read, who I want to (laughs) date, where I want to work. There's so many options. And I think it, uh, again, this again breeds this whole, when you bring it back to a pivot, you know, we sometimes there is, I think increasingly more so now, this lack of congruence between um, in our professional identities Mm -hmm. in terms of who I believe I am in the workplace or in my career and where I think I should be. And the more we feel that lack of congruence, the more we strive to make a change in our career. Yeah,
1: it's interesting in terms of that expectation, you know, and feeling dissatisfied. I thought I'd be doing this or I thought I'd be earning that at this point. And sometimes that can be motivating because it can go, do you know what? Actually, I do want to be doing that. And this is what I'm going to put in place in order to reach it. But sometimes you and as I judging from some of the messages we've had a lot of people feeling just a bit stuck you know having gone down a road that they didn't really want to go down and thinking is it too late to turn things around so that's what we're going to be addressing next Natasha D'Souza is with us today we are going to be talking about the three P's pivot, plateau and pause if you are feeling stuck in a rut perhaps you want to share your pivot we'd love to hear from you we're going to be talking about how to successfully navigate one and of course helping you out with anything you might be struggling with talking about those three P's next In conversation now with business journalist, leadership coach, speaker with uh, Natasha DeSouza, We're having your career clinic and we're talking about the three P's, pivot, plateau and pause and crucially, why they matter. Shall we go through them? I think I I, want to get a bit of an understanding and a bit of context around some of the questions we've had and maybe see how we can help people out this afternoon, Natasha. So which P would you like to start with?
3: Well, let's start off with my favorite, the pivot, because that's the one that I've done the most in my career. I think at last count, I've probably moved through about 10 different industries or so before I turned 35. Um, the pivot is when you are either wanting to move from the kind of function that you're in. So say you're working in HR, but you would like to move into a marketing role or an operations role or business development, and or you're looking to be in a completely different industry. I mean, I... Like I said, you know, I, I worked in, in a business intelligence consulting kind of role, moved into news, media.
1: Isn't it interesting, though, to think how much our mindsets changed um, in the last couple of decades where, you know, I sit, I think about my dad and his generation. We were just saying, off oh, air. my dad moved, lived in Abu Dhabi in the 70s. And it was a case of, you know, he was an engineer and had different variations on being an engineer until his 70s. And luckily, he loved it. I think a lot of men kind of struggle with retirement because they, you know, my dad was one of them because he loved his job so much. But there were an awful lot of people that would go, okay, I'm going to go to university to become an accountant. I'm going to be an accountant until the day I die. And we're living an awful lot longer now. So you have an awful lot of people, unfortunately, who, for various reasons, feel stuck, feel unable to pivot for. practical reasons, self-esteem reasons, haven't got the guidance, support network around them to make that change. And that just makes me feel really sad. The thought someone could be working for 40, 50 years in an industry or an area that doesn't interest them at all.
3: I think, look, I would actually want to reframe that mindset. I actually think, you know, regardless of how long you've been, you know, in a role and assuming that you are literally delivering at the top of your game in the workplace you likely have more in your arsenal as a tool to use to advance your career than you think. Absolutely. Do you have a great relationship with your boss? Who is your boss connected to um, that he or she might, you know, be able to introduce you to, assuming you have the kind of a relationship with your boss where they're okay with the fact that, you're ready to spread your wings and you want to move on to something better. There mm-hmm. are very few bosses, by the way, who are like that. Um, do you, who, are, who, is, who are there among your colleagues you know, that you know? Or in industry associations that you are hopefully a part of and participating in. Mm-hmm. There are people all around us who are connected to others, who are aware of opportunities that are never going to come your way the more you stay
1: in here, it's, in your head. And that's exactly it. You know, it's very rare that you zoom out and go actually, when I think about this, this isn't really making me happy. And not only that, here's what I need to put in place in order to change. Here's what is in my in my toolkit. Is it ever too late to pivot? It is absolutely never too late to pivot. I think more so now than ever
3: because we are now more used to the pace of change. I and mean, when I was pivoting careers in my 20s, it was very rare for my generation, we were the same generation, we which are. we figured out <laughs> off air, um, to be switching careers or jobs every two years. You know, It was kind of frowned, frowned upon. Mm-hmm. And I think now it's very common. My caveat is, though, that you do want to maintain... You do want to have solid proof points in every role that you've held. You know, if you've bounced from a role in six months, but you don't have a lot of stuff to talk about what you accomplished yeah. in those six months stuff that you can prove, that doesn't look very
1: good. Yeah, it's a very different, big difference between being, you know, agile and adaptable than being flighty and fickle.
3: Exactly. And... um so pivots, like I said, the first one we're talking about is a pivot, which I think more and more are doing. There was a survey, I believe it may have been by Baith or one of the platforms here, which looked and said that about, you know, seven out of 10 white collar professionals in the UAE are game to change their jobs this year. This was wow. came out sometime in the summer. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays
1: out yeah, well, you know, in the new year. We've had a number of messages on this. We are going to go to the text line soon. So um, if you have been in touch... Don't worry, we will, we will come to you. B asking about um, five years post grad. I feel like I'm on the wrong path. B, we're going to come to your message. So we've talked pivot. It's taken all of my willpower not to do a Ross from Friends pivot joke, but I'm being very strong here. Um, plateau is the next one. That sounds a bit negative, but can you be quite in a quite comfortable and happy plateau? You absolutely can be. And
3: then I would call that contentment, mm. you know, versus plateauing. I think a plateau is when you're at the same level, nothing is changing stagnant. around you, you can, yes, you can absolutely, you know, feel stagnant. And I want to give grace to the person who said, you know, I don't know if I can, you know, make a change at this point. I mean, I've mean, i faced a plateau, I remember at least twice, you know, in my career. And it's very easy, again, like I said, to remain in your head, because you think I worked really hard, look at what I gave to my company, to my role, the things I've given up, You know, the relationships I didn't put time into, perhaps your health may have gone for a toss. Mm -hmm. And I got this far, but my growth is capped. I don't seem to see a path for me that's, you know, headed upward and onward in this organization. And why is this happening to me? So that's a very normal thing for your brain to go into. But again, I want to say this is where you have to flip the switch and say, okay, what else is out there? If I can do all of this in this organization, there's got to be a place out there that's Mm going to value this.
1: I don't have many kind of fears or kind of regrets, I think, in life. But one of my big fears is the idea of wasting time. Like, I've stayed in jobs in the past for too long.
3: I feel you.
4: Because I was too there. comfortable.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't mind a little bit of a, a, bit of a cruise <laughs> from time to time. Like, you know, when my babies were young, you know, it was quite nice to go back to a very familiar job. Um, but when you think, oh, gosh, I actually could have been open to some really exciting opportunities there. But I just was too comfortable and um, we're going to be talking about pause next that's the th- third P. If you've got any questions from Natasha Souza, you're more than welcome to reach out. And you can be anonymous, of course, on 4001. You've got the app. You've got the WhatsApp. Um, We've had a message asking about pausing. Um, We're going to talk about exactly what it means to different people, but taking a pause when your babies and your children are young. B wants to know about five years post-grad what to do. Um, And no name asking, how do you make big decisions in your life? Do you just take a leap and go for it or play it safe? It's your career clinic this hour with Natasha D'Souza. She's just talking about how many pivots she has had over her 20 year career in leadership, in business writing, in intelligence and more. And we're talking about the three P's, pivot, plateau, and that brings us to pause. That sounds rather nice.
3: Okay. It does, and actually, I actually think there's a lot of merit and magic that can come from taking an intentional pause, if you can go into it knowing precisely why I'm doing
1: it. What you want to achieve in that time. Exactly,
3: how long it's for, and... Um, some kind of a framework for what you're going to be doing during that time. I actually think there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking a pause. There are some amazing stories of individuals who've, you know, scaled tremendous heights in their career and taken an intentional pause before, you know, you somehow have to move forward a bit before pushing yourself back, mm-hmm. you know, with even more velocity. And so a pause can be amazing. I do, I will say though, that a pause can mean different things. Yes. Some people think that, it means I'm going off on a sabbatical. You know, I still have my role at my company, but they've given me six months or a year off, and I take this time, you know, to explore in whatever way you like. For others, it's I am kind of scaling a, a little bit down in terms of you know my day-to-day responsibilities I'll probably not be actively involved in the workplace but I'm checking email on
1: and off what about a little mini pause over Christmas <laughs> with that what, what constitutes a pause with nine days count as a pause or are we looking at more like nine weeks or nine months
3: I think nine days can be a pause but perhaps not one that uh, it depends on what you do in the pause they're there going to be eating Eating, do it. Why not? Give yourself the nutrition, Helen, the nutrition that okay. you need. More sprouts, less, less
1: chocolate <laughs> orange. Um, we've had a number of messages, actually, that I would love you to help guide our, our listeners through this afternoon, Natasha. Um, no name saying, I'd love some advice on a pause. Um I had um, only two months off when my son was born. He's two years old now. And I'd like to take six months to be with him, get him ready for school, etc. How should I suggest this to my company and how to frame it on my resume if they actually agree? Love this.
3: It is. And I think it's a situation that comes up a lot for folks who've gone through a big, you know, life change. You know, welcoming a newborn to the world. Your body takes time to recover, your emotions, your hormones, your new responsibilities I think she may have not anticipated wanting more time with her newborn than she originally bargained for.
1: Totally agree. So
3: I think there's you, – you need to have um, – I think you need to – if you're going to be the one making the ask, I always say when you walk into a situation where you have to negotiate, you really need to also put on the lens of the person you're negotiating with and think about how they're going to be looking at it. They are a business. They have timelines. They have targets. They have targets they figured you would be back after two months and ready to go. But that is now not the case. My hope is that she is ideally bringing this up to them, not too close towards the end of
1: the two months and maybe... Oh no, sorry, my apologies. She's, she's already taken the two months. She's, she's taken she, the two she's months. She's back at work. It's been about doing the maths. It's, all, it's been almost 18 months of her back in the role and wants to now take a six months. So, six-month break. Another six-month break. As soon as I read this, I was, I've actually had a friend in the UK that did this. She basically took another maternity leave when her kids were three and five because... You know, of course, my goodness, those newborn stages, they, they need you. But our children need us in different ways as they get older. So, I mean, this, this is saying, you know, he's two years old now. I want to take six months to get him ready for school. You know, having, I guess, potty trained and dealing with some of those emotions that might be coming up. So in terms of going in and proposing this, is it a case of, okay, this is what I'll be doing, but ultimately this is what you're gonna be getting out of this, you guys? Well I think it's so it's two things. If she spent eighteen months back at work after,
3: you know, her original, let's say Matt Leave part one, and now she's back eighteen months it would be good for her to reflect on what she's achieved you know, in those 18 months, like literally solid proof points for what she's brought to the business in her time that since she's been back. If she can also prepare upfront how she's going to be doing a handover, mm-hmm. you know, what is the game plan when she's gone for those six months? How available is she going to be to the business in those six months? Is she willing to do a weekly check-in? Is she going to be checking emails every day or every couple of days? I think you also want to, and this depends on her how secure she feels in her role, right? Mm. Will they ha- keep it for her when she's away and then it'll still be there for her when she's back? I have to put it out there because, I mean, the world moves very, very fast it, today. It, it
1: does here as well, especially. So, so it sounds like some really great questions in terms of self-reflection on the role, yes, on and your ambitions before you even get that, in the room. Preparing
3: for that discussion. I do think a lot of businesses now are more sensitive to the needs uh, that come up when you have, when you're growing your family and when 100%. you have young children, a
1: lot more than they were in the past. I was on a panel a few months ago and was sitting with um, someone from Visa Middle East and they were talking about how they basically coach people out of the workplace when they go on on parental leave and when they how they coach them back in. Um, And shout out to Visa Middle East because the fathers get 14 weeks paternity leave, which I mean, kudos to you guys. Um, B says, um, thank you for this. Genuinely curious to get your take. Um, I'm on a great path career wise, five years post grad, but I worry it's the wrong path. I'd love to be in a more creative field, even working with my hands, learning a trade, even if it means a pay cut. I've got no wife or kids, so maybe it's the right time or should i think about a side hustle instead that's from b um, i like this idea of you know what else could i be doing kind of scratching that itch in terms of a side hustle but i guess maybe what are some of the questions that oh my gosh this is i'm 5 years post grad and this is not for me how how can you reflect on that natasha
3: i first want to point out the the some a little bit of a disconnect or dissonance in b's question because he first says i'm on a great career path but this is not
1: for me. Maybe it's a great career path for, according to other people <laughs> or on perhaps. paper. So
3: what I'm saying is on, a, on an instinctive gut level, the gut has identified the disconnect, mm-hmm. saying that it's great for perhaps the optics or the salary or status, etc. But on a deeper level, it is not providing to be what he would perhaps like his profession or his career to give to him. Uh, that being said, I think a side hustle is a great way to actually see if what you're drawn to or curious about is actually something you could do like on a day-to-day basis as a profession. And I've tried the side hustle route before I actually ventured into working for myself. I mean, I was um, actually working in this building. Um, Weird. I know, many, many years ago, almost oh. nine years ago. And that was when I, w- I felt called to, you know, you're kind of a little bit brain dead at work. You're, you're hitting all the boxes, you're delivering, but this just isn't doing it for you from a challenge point of view. Or values
1: uh, or for
2: whatever values,
3: reason. It just wasn't. Yeah. My, all my cylinders were not firing in the workplace. And I needed that feeling. And I think that's where I decided to just start writing about, you know, tech and startups that were emerging at that time in 2014. And that's when I ventured into, you know, business journalism, which is something I did many, many years ago, right? At Originally, the start of my yeah. career, but so to it, give it a try. So
1: it could, I mean, it could be even you're talking here about taking a significant pay cut. Maybe it's growing, learning something. And I think there's a huge amount to be said for mastering something feeling like you are improving at something is an amazing feeling and that might just be something that you enjoy that's a hobby like it's okay just to have something in your life that's just pure enjoyment
3: and I think you know working with your hands again it's amazing for the brain by the way there are not too many people who have are in professions where you actually have to work with your hands Mm. Um, and the journey of mastery builds mental strength it builds focus it allows you to really do deep work which again too few of us do today. A lot of us are just email servers pinging emails back and forth. <laughs> um, so I think to Bee's to Bee's quandary, I would say you don't have to make a drastic choice. Yes. I think
1: take baby steps. Also, you know, let's get practical here. We're in a part of the world where, for the vast majority of people, your ability to stay in the country depends on you having a visa that is linked to a job. So, you know, dipping your toe in. Let us. I'm curious what you want to do, Bee. Let us know. And let us know if we can support you. We've run out of time, unfortunately, Natasha. For anyone that wants to avail of your, whether it's leadership coaching, are there any resources we could point people to? How can we get in touch? Well, you can absolutely look me up on
3: LinkedIn. The um, handle is Natasha Notes. And on Instagram, it's Natasha.Notes. I am Thank you here.
1: so, so much. I'm very curious to uh, hear what people are thinking into the new year. If people are indeed going to be changing careers or enjoying a bit of a bit of a plateau there is there's reviews coming up in january so oh gosh i know i've got to do some admin on that you just reminded me natasha <laughs> <laughs> desezer thank you so so much cop 28 concluded earlier this week but the conversation around conservation continues with a father-daughter diving team who have inspired not just me, but my daughter as well. Tissia and her father, Priyadashi, joining us live. You've recently been in the Maldives, um, so it's amazing how quickly you can go off people. I liked you guys, and then I hear about how often you're diving to incredible depths and seeing amazing things. Um, It was over the long weekend, Tissia, that you went back to the Maldives. What, uh, What depth did you get to then? So we did
4: multiple dives, but I think the deepest dive uh, we did uh, we went up to like seventy five feet. So yeah.
1: How old are you now, Tissia? Thirteen. Thirteen, yeah. and you, so you're—I mean, you are the inspiration, Dad. You're the one that was in in the water, and, and now it sounds like the tables have turned, and she's inspired you to take your diving to the next level, so to speak. What, what's been happening for you?
5: Yeah, actually, uh, thank you, Helen, for having us uh, over. Uh, Actually, uh, I did not. When I started diving in 2012, I, I never thought I would gather the courage or the motivation to do an advanced course. But Tisia did her open water in 2020 and then her advanced in 2022 when she, was, she did, did it on the day she was eligible for the course. And the ease with which she managed to do her advanced inspired me to do my advanced and somewhere there was a small sense of competition because during our last dive in Maldives, she was allowed to go to a greater depth than me, and yeah. didn't like it. Yeah,
4: it was probably my best moment like so far in my life because like we were diving, we saw the sharks, and then I told the instructor, "Can I go deeper?" And I saw him do that earlier to my dad. My dad asked, and he was like, "No, you're, you, you reached your depth." And then I asked, and then he said, "Yeah, you can go," and he put. <gasps> He took me closer to the sharks, and my dad was just there.
1: It was so, like, amazing. Good, good little motivation to get you fired up. Now, it wasn't just going down to, you know, beat your own records and explore. You went you went there with a bit of a message, Tissia. Tell, tell us about what you wanted to convey about climate change.
4: So, ever since I started diving, obviously it's been, like, you know... For my own enjoyment. But then as you dive, you see, like, there's, like, more things you can do with your, like, you know, you know. The opportunity to get to dive. So, slowly I've been trying to get like raise more awareness about coral bleaching, which coral bleaching, which happens due to like climate change and the increasing water temperatures. And coral bleaching is basically when you know there's a symbiotic relationship between an algae called zooxanthellae in the coral and the coral itself. So, the coral feeds off of the glucose the algae produces and the algae is given a home by the coral. So basically, when the... The temperature rises due to global warming. The water temperature rises. Then this can cause the like the algae to become stressed, and it can slowly die or like become unhealthy and unstable. And this uh like lack of this algae can like since it gives the coral its color, its food, it can bleach the coral. So the coral will slowly start to die mm-hmm. and break off and. Usually, this happens to a lot of corals, and in many countries and many coral like reefs, even though there is like an abundance of healthy coral, there's also an abundance of like um, dead coral that is washed up on shores and like that is like hard and like you know just dead. So, that can that's often like overlooked. Um, So, we just wanted to bring attention to that.
1: Well, I think I mean, you've explained that so beautifully to see that in in terms of how. How stressed that relationship has become, and you know you've been diving now for for twelve years or so now, uh, Pradashi. Um, have you noticed a difference in terms of whether it's regionally or internationally a decline in in coral in what what should be in, in that in in the, at those depths those colours those creatures?
5: Yeah, I I have noticed this not in the Maldives uh, though. Uh, because generally, you want to dive in places which have beautiful marine life, mm-hmm. which is uh, beautiful fishes and amazingly healthy corals which are colorful. I have d- noticed this in one di- uh, couple of dives in Malaysia, wherein uh, uh, it was my it was my second or third dive at that place, that that dive site, and I see that uh, that corals had turned white. So, when I asked the instructor what is the reason he said there has been some bleaching, and we are allowing i mean it's growing back slowly, so I have noticed um, the, the 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 bleaching uh, firsthand at some sites it's yes. and
1: it has to be such a decision for you know a resort or a government even to to step up and look at how to address this, you know, how to create these reefs and how to keep on having that abundance of of sea life. And I think it takes, you know, I mean, just 13 years old to to be speaking so wisely about how much we're overlooking this. You know, we spoke on the show last week about how perhaps we underestimate just how important the ocean is when it comes to climate change, how, you know, in terms of regulating the planet's temperature, about just how many creatures are are living there. Um, And I wanted to ask you a little bit about why, awareness and why caring about the planet can help you care for the planet? Because I'm sure you wouldn't have such a passion for it if you hadn't been up close to these creatures, up close to these corals. It must make it all feel a bit more real to see it.
4: It's like, you know, you always hear about these things and sometimes you can say, like, maybe they're over-exaggerating it or maybe they're lying or something like that just to, like, you know, get us going. But, like, when you really get to experience it, see what's happening, see, like, the abundance, the, like, how much of it there is, when you can actually feel, the like, the water be, like, hot when you're in the sea, then you realize that, wow, these fishes, they're, they, like, have to suffer in this, like, extreme, like, you know, in these conditions, like, they're probably not used to. So when you really see it and you really, like, you can, it's like a wake-up call. Like, you look at it and you find it, like, hits you and you're like, no, we have to do something about this because this can't keep on going, you know.
1: Well, as I said, um, we've met a couple of times now and my both of my daughters are real water babies. You know, they've been swimming since they were a couple of months old and, you know, love surfing and you know snorkeling and for my eight-year-old's birthday she had her she got her did her her paddy bubble maker and my goodness now she's asked for fins for christmas she wants to go to for jared wants to go diving so i wanted to ask you i guess a little bit about what's next so she's done a bubble maker she's done her seal so which i think is three sessions she's done two in the pool and one in the ocean And a lot of that is actually to do with identifying what's you know, in the water, but also coral conservation. What's next? And any advice for any parents who you think, Do you know what, my kids would love to get involved in scuba?
5: So um, she's taken the right step. Uh, at eight, the training starts with Paddy when they become their bubble maker. Uh, uh, they get their first experience of uh, breathing underwater. And uh, moving underwater, managing some basic skills like clearing their mask. And if the regulator falls off their mouth, how to put it back, all these things. And I think it's very important... uh, Uh, it it is a very important stepping stone for them to get interested in the wider uh, ocean. Mm -hmm. So when she does her, at 10, she will be eligible to do her uh, uh, junior paddy open water uh, license. And that's when she starts exploring the ocean with a buddy. And uh, I mean, then the journey starts. She'll be off. So like, like when I finished my open water license, my... My diving instructor was uh, was a Britisher. I did my open water license in Vietnam in the year 2012. Matt. Matt was my instructor. You
1: remember his name? Yeah, yeah.
5: Of course. I'll never forget. So when I completed my last training dive and we surfaced, the, he gave me a shake hand. He, he shook my hands in the water and said, Congratulations, PP. You are a diver now. Yeah. <laughs> so the feeling was incredible. And I, I always say this you get a license to explore 70% of the planet, which is underwater.
1: It's an amazing thing to do. Tissia, so, yeah, last question to you. What are your hopes for the future, whether it comes to different you know, qualifications, different destinations? As for you as a scuba diver, where would you like to go? Where would you want this to take you?
4: So now currently the next step forward would be when I turn 15. At the moment, I have done everything I can to get like the top to like, you know, for my age. So when I turn 15, I'll be eligible to go 30 meters just automatically. And that next dive, I'm really looking forward to go to Raja Ampat in Indonesia super excited like i've when i was diving in maldives all of the people were like i was talking to some of the people who were diving with us they were like it's crazy like the like the diversity there and you know obviously this also links back to conservation like i'm praying that maybe in like 2 years time something happens so that when i go it's remains the same <laughs> and that like like this species goes extinct so i'm just like waiting and hoping that it remains the same so and
5: i I'd like to add here Uh, Here is that you are talking about the resorts and conservation. So, I mean, we should all try to contribute in our own ways Mm -hmm. of putting pressure, reducing plastic usage, reducing uh, overt usage of uh, uh, fossil fuels. That's had been a b- very big talk about it. For example, in the resort that we were staying, it's in an island called Oluveli and the resort is called Sun Siam. So it's Sun Siam Oluveli. Those guys talk to us about their artificial, uh, their efforts to make artificial reefs. So they collect all the dead coral, piece them onto a net which is made up of cement, put it in the ocean bed and keep monitoring it, and slowly the fishes come there, the, the the coral growth happens, and then they cut off the metal wires and remove them. So,
1: uh, Well, I can't say too much on the radio, but we might have news of something similar here in Dubai. I know some people who are working really, really hard, and they've seen huge gains, but we're not ready to talk about it yet, but I promise, as soon as I can, because I think, I think you might like to go and have a little nosy around there to see. I've had matches going, these guys are amazing. felt like I was in science class. They should have been at COP28. Do you know what? I'm proud to give you the chance to have a microphone. Thank you both so, so much. Thank you. And for any New Year's resolutions, we've been talking about experiential gifts there. Um, For my daughter, for her birthday, we did cover that um, that bubble maker. And I'll tell you who it was with. Um, It was at JA Resort. Um, Chloe has been on the show before. Chloe Blue Divers on Instagram. I think it was 200 dirhams for about two hours. So it was a really, I think, brilliant deal and potentially a life-changing experience and one I'm really, really Mm -hmm. honoured to hear just how much has changed your lives. So guys, thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute pleasure as ever uh, to see and Priyadashi speaking to us. And you're right next time. COP29, I'll put you on a plane. Think about the best gift you ever got. We are talking gifting this hour. The World Economic Forum found that 78% of millennials value experiential purchases higher than material ones. So tickets, going places, quality time. What about you? What's the best gift you've ever found under the tree and been given on your birthday? Joining us now, Thomas Gaithoff, the co-founder and managing partner at M2L Concepts. They're responsible for some amazing experiences around the UAE. How are you, Thomas? Happy holidays
6: hello good afternoon helen thank you so much for having us on the show i wish i could be with you in the studio today but as you know we are preparing some exciting uh, moment for the entire families in in dubai so i guess the uh, next time i'll be around but we're doing well we're excited we on uh, i think actually as we speak we are actually doing the soft opening of a an amazing event in partnership with uh, Jumara International Hotel, next to the Museum of the Future. So I think this is bang uh, on uh, the topic of the day.
1: It is the topic of the day. Winter District, I believe, is starting uh, today, tomorrow. So the timing couldn't be better. Would you mind just explaining a little bit about some of the projects and experiences that you've created there at M2L, Thomas?
6: Uh, Absolutely. So... Winter District, first of all, I think the the star of the show is obviously the location. We are located right below the Museum of the Future. So this is basically our backdrop and we are bringing any kind of experience here. Obviously, catering the family. This is the festive season, as you know. So we have uh, obviously a giant Christmas tree, but we we decided to to make it a little bit different, very urban, because there's so many Christmas trees in town, as you know. <laughs> We've got uh, obviously a stage with live music. We have all the usual suspect, the uh, homegrown food uh, F&B uh, uh, companies, uh, such as. Uh, Takado, Zarub, Okafra, Churros, Cevantes, uh, Agendas, and for the, the the family, we have actually two uh, locations in the in the event itself. So we do have the main event where we have skills game, you know, carnival games, which have basically uh, been removed from the crate. So we made sure we've got the best uh, equipment uh, available for for the the neighborhood and and the families and. Slightly above the location, there's a huge open space where we have a a giant uh, snowman inflatable. We have a a, a bouncy castle, which which is the side of uh, Burj Khalifa. Uh, almost a little bit of exaggeration here. So I think it's, uh, it's <laughs> lots going on. Lots, yeah. going on.
1: lots going on. Thomas. Let's talk gifting because this uh, this survey, seventy eight percent of millennials. I am an elder millennial, just just scraped into that category, valuing experiential gifts over material ones. I had some really interesting messages on this. Isabel saying my favorite gift was an iPod. Um, I think that's my brother's favorite gift ever was a drum set um but interestingly those kind of material gifts there that we've just mentioned actually leading on to more experiences you know the the ability to listen to music or make music in my in my brother's case um are we really seeing a move towards experiential purchases you know i guess and I'm, i'm curious to think about the why is it about having those instagram moments and putting that out to the world perhaps even more important than actually experiencing them
6: I think it's um, Elena. thanks f- for the question. I think it's a, a bit of a mix of uh, everything you just mentioned. Uh, I've been personally in Dubai for the last 20 years. So I've seen the the city evolving uh, prior to create uh, M2L concept with my partner of uh, IANA holding. Uh, I worked approximately nine years food time in the entertainment division. So we opened iFly Dubai. We opened uh, obviously uh, multiple cinema uh, with Vox, we did uh, Ski in Egypt, uh, you know, we, we, we kept opening new concept uh, all the time, and, and you realize after some time, even if they have some point of difference, it becomes a as business as usual for our guests, they just go to the mall, go to the movie, go to the entertainment, and uh, obviously we're on uh, what's next generation, right? Mm-hmm. So we realize it's time that uh, because we do architecture for entertainment as well, that now whenever we do uh, uh let's say a, a, a permanent uh, location on the design and by design we always scatter some empty space which we're going to use for stage pop-up different entertainment and we understand that the new generation and i think even us nowadays with the phone we uh, our brain is functioning differently right our attention span is so short mm-hmm. that when we consume experience, we want novelty I would say on a weekly basis almost well, uh, so this is why I, yes
1: no I'm just I'm I'm just about to say I want to come back to this in just a minute and think about what the what the future could look like on this front and if you want to share maybe not any spoilers guys on four zero zero one what you have got the people in your life, your loved ones, is it more material gifts this year? Is it more experiences? We, I don't think the kids are listening. I think they're at home. Um, we managed to get cheer Sheeran tickets. I was refreshing that website like a lunatic. So that's what they're going to be finding under the tree. And as I mark my 10th wedding anniversary, I mean, my husband, I think like a lot of men, if he wants something, if he needs something, he just buys it for himself, which makes it impossible to buy him a gift. So we're going to go down that experience route as well. And I think inspired by... A previous prize on the show, Platinum Heritage. And again, he's at work. I think it's safe to say, I think it might be stargazing for Mr Farmer that he might be getting under the tree this year. Watch this space. Let me know the best gift you ever got for Christmas. Joining us on the line from M2L, we've got Thomas Getoff, the co-founder and managing partner. They are responsible for exactly that. Events and experiences around the UAE. So what does the future hold? How are tourism and leisure companies adapting to this need for us to give the gift of time, quality time, and experiences. We are talking experience this afternoon because the World Economic Forum has found that 78% of millennials would rather have an experience. I found under the Christmas tree, then a material present. And joining us from M2L Concepts, we've got the co-founder and managing partner, Thomas Gaitaf. So I I guess I wanted to know why that might be. Um, Can we we point to the pandemic in any way, Thomas, to the popularity of experiential gift giving?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think that the the pandemic has, uh, you know, put the entire world at at a full stop and, and people are starting, actually, for some of them, starting doing some activity at home uh, performing uh, learning some new skills cooking etc and they understood that uh, they were trapped in, into uh, you know this fast-paced life etc and progressively they went back into that uh, that routine i would say but they now have an eye on on mm-hmm. others things they were not considering before mm-hmm. and they will not necessarily expect the same as before for the entertainment they understand that they can get some very exciting moments on shorter uh span of time i guess and uh they have uh, i think uh, they have changed the way they, they consume the the entertainment and and the leisure it's by bit and pieces and it's diversity and it's about trying things you would never <laughs> add uh, you know dare to try before they say, oh, this braver. is not for me this is not
1: yeah, I love that. Yes, um, it's really interesting to hear people's favourite gifts that they've had on the text line as well. Um, Bella saying a guitar. No name on this one saying, "I've donated money to anim- Amanda's animal rescue on behalf of my parents and friends." I love this. We did this exactly the same thing last year for canine friends. My husband was like, "I don't need anything. I don't. Don't buy me slippers. Don't buy me a belt, please." Um, uh, you know, foster a dog, or, you know, or adopt a dog on my behalf. Sponsor a dog, basically. We've sponsored air conditioning units at Canine Friends, so I feel like whether you are looking to, you know, pay for an experience, a ticket, hot air balloon, whatever it might be, or indeed putting that money to to really good use and helping some of the very, very worthy organisations here that do need a bit of a helping hand, especially at Christmas, if you can do. And Amanda's Animal Rescue do such a great job. I follow them on Instagram, so great to give them a shout out. Thomas, what do you find, want to find under the tree this year? What's on your on your wish list?
6: Me, uh, it's always about travel. Mm. Uh, I think also what has changed in the last few years, and I think to go back to the pandemic, is people have discovered Staycation. They've understood that you don't necessarily need to travel and to go to the other side of the planet to find amazing, uh, you know, destinations, things to do. I think uh, we all know that Ata became extremely popular during the pandemic and everything. So, obviously, I'm um, originally from the south of France, so I, I tend to go back regularly there, but. Uh, it's all about travel, and, and I've discovered recently some place in the south of Abu Dhabi which are fantastic, and probably before I would have never really, uh, you know, uh, decided to go there. So for me, a perfect gift is just a, like a a 2 days runaway staycation <laughs> during the winter yeah. in Dubai because there's no point yeah. going in Europe now. It's pretty freezing. I just came back. Trust me. Trust we're me. Good, Trust me. We're, we're better
1: stuff. off here. Well, my husband and I last year... We we bought a tent for each other for Christmas so we could enjoy some more camping weekends. It looks like the sorting hat from Harry Potter and it's one of the best presents I've ever had. So, Thomas, I'm with you Please. on the camping. So, thank you so much. Um, quick last shout-out, as you said, Winter District starting very soon indeed. Um, for anyone that wants to find out more, give us a shout. All the rest of you, the team. I know when, when we're enjoying ourselves over the festive time, you, uh, you're all working hard at M12, so Thomas Gatoff, thank you so, so much for your time. And yes, I'm going to say it. Happy holidays indeed. It's the words I've been looking forward to saying all afternoon. Santa Claus is in the studio. How are you, Santa? Oh, fantastic. Oh, you are. You're jingling. The outfit is just... Next level, I have to say, we haven't seen you for a year. Last year, we worked out who on the Dubai i team was on the nice list and the naughty list.
0: I do remember
1: that, yeah. I'm a bit nervous. I mean, reflecting on the Helen Farmer 2023, what do you think my chances are of finding coal in my stocking come the 25th? Well, I
0: think we have to wait and find out until the big day. If you've got something (laughs) under the tree, then you will know.
1: I, pr- I promise. I promise I've tried my best to be good this year. It hasn't always worked. Oh, We've had lots of questions for you on the text line. Have you really? Lots of boys and girls and mums and dads oh. have got questions for you. Okay. Lorraine wants to know who buys Santa a present? What do you want to find under the tree once you've got back from a very busy global tour Santa
0: well, it, well, this is the question I get asked quite a lot actually. I mean, all the children come and tell me what they want for Christmas, but rarely do I get asked what I want for Christmas.
1: And this is your chance. Yes. Come on. A day off. Oh, that's the Boxing Day. That's the 26th and <laughs> you can chill out for a few days. Well, rest. I do,
0: yes. But uh, just to, I don't mean, they just party all the time, the elves mm. do, and they make a hell of a racket. And, and, and like, I just want a bit of
1: peace. <laughs> Santa wants peace and quiet for Christmas. I think a lot of parents will, will identify with that. Uh, we've yes. also had a question here um, from Jay saying, what do you listen to in the sleigh? I love ah. this question because... You know, I was going to say you're on the road you're in the sky an awful lot is it um, apart from Dubai i103.8 is it a oh, podcast is it music mm. is it elf chatter what's going on
0: well yes I mean sometimes I have to keep the radio uh, open you know so that I can listen to what's going on at the North Pole sometimes point. we have to quickly change direction we have to keep an eye on the weather and so it's, it's pretty much the same as what any pilot would be mm. in, a, in, a, in an airline you know so but like you know in between I do like to listen to Listen to some of the Christmas songs, you know, some of the golden oldies, you yeah. know, Nucking Gold, and you know, then maybe sort of uh, uh, what's it? Uh, I wish it could be Christmas every day by Wizard. I love that track. It's a classic. Yeah.
1: What about Christmas films? Um, I feel like there are some classics there, but there's also some some new ones. I have to say, Christmas Chronicles for me is an Excellent Christmas movie. Is it a bit like, you know, when I meet chefs and I say, do you like watching, you know, MasterChef or Bake Off? Or do you watch any food shows? And they go, oh, no, it's like being at the office. Do you enjoy watching Christmas film, Santa?
0: Um, well, I do. Yes, watching Christmas movies and, and, and watching uh, Christmas. Yes, I do like. Um, and again, it's it's the old classics. Um, uh, What's it? A Miracle on 34th Street yeah, and things, you lovely. know, like this with Richard Attenborough. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful.
1: We had a question here from Arnell, um, which is asking about <laughs> it's asking about what to give you on Christmas Eve. Now, I have to say you're looking very svelte, but I would imagine come the twenty sixth, a few Christmas kilos might go on, Santa. Um what would what treats would you like? What well, are you it, leaving out for the reindeer <laughs> as well?
0: Well, people ask, how is it you, you manage to sort of, well, you have to understand that it's all about balance. Uh, flying is all about balance. And so once we're getting rid of some of the, presence out of the sleigh gets a little bit lighter but mm-hmm. that becomes a problem with flying you see so we have to keep the weight you know so I consume more cookies and <laughs> that keeps the weight so, like pretty even all the way through the flight um, and people say what about uh, cookies and milk what's your favourite cookies and I say well it's not so much about the cookies I like cookies chocolate chip raisin and all the oatmeal I, all of them are great but it's, it's milk um guys look i'm a little bit lactose intolerant now so, i feel like we've you know, got a scoop yes Santa. It's, uh, al- almond milk They're, the years are catching up with me and the lactose intolerance mm. has uh, finally got me so almond milk um yes
1: okay cookie and almond milk what about rudolph and the gang
0: um, well, I mean, I do eat, uh, I, I do like their sugar, uh, their, sorry, their carrots as well, yes. Good. I I try to, uh, Mrs. Claus is very happy if I eat the carrots.
1: So,
5: uh,
1: yeah. um, I wanted to ask you about, you get an awful lot of letters, of course, and of I course. know you're meeting children as well, yes. who might be putting in some requests on their wish list. What are the children asking for for Christmas 2023, Santa Claus?
0: Well... There's quite a mixture. There's quite a mixture, especially here um, in this region as well. You find uh, I've had more requests this year for the family to be healthy and happy, oh. and it's it it, it it I it's taken me aback the amount. Yes, we get one or two normally, but um, wishing their family health. And uh I thought, happiness.
1: I thought you were gonna say the iPhone fifteen Titanium Pro because they're all seeing that billboard on Shakespeare. yeah no,
0: that hasn't actually actually that Good. is one item that has not come up. uh yes, we've had a couple like usual for iPhone, but um uh top toys, uh I would go and say like uh, well, of course earlier this year there was the Barbie film and of mm. course that has pushed forward everybody wanting wow. Barbie Dreamhouse and all of this stuff. I was chatting with Mark
1: Lloyd about the Barbie Dreamhouse and yeah. if you're not lucky enough to find it under your tree from from You and the Elves if you buy it in a shop it's about 2,500 dirhams. Oh, it's
0: shocking. It's Good absolutely it's grief
1: intriguing. Barbie. Yes. That was my rent. I mean that's and, wild. I'll tell
0: you one that's made a comeback this yeah. year which I was quite surprised about and people are sort of asking that for is Furbies.
2: Furbies? Yeah
0: Furbies have come back It's in the top 10 and Furbies and it's uh, the new generation of Furbies. And I have to say, I'm very happy that they haven't included AI into it. It's still the original, but they've added a few more tweaks and little twirls. And so it's a bit more chatter. The
1: elves have been rolling with the times then. Well done. Yeah,
0: it's very good.
1: Um, We're running out of time, Santa. I, I wanted to ask you where... Can we find you between now and the 25th? I know, obviously, there's lots of work to do, but you you will have got the chance to meet some children from Dubai before heading back to the cold.
0: Yes, you you can find me. um, And this Saturday, you'll find me at uh, the festival uh, festival uh, festive festival which is with dogs and whatever I, up at Jumeirah I Golf Estate. Yes, this this is
1: the family festival where the furry friends are allowed yeah, to come yeah absolutely
0: yes and apparently they're going to be running assault courses and having competitions and I'm going to be there to sort of make sure they <laughs> behave themselves Good. and uh Next week, you'll find me also at um, Atlantis. Oh,
1: yes, fancy Yes, I'll be Santa. making some appearances
0: there. <gasps> yes, find me in the Lost Chambers. Notice. Oh, my
1: God. Well, thank <clears> you for <throat> making time for us today. Um, I really do value your time. I've had lots of people saying, hi, Santa. Um, Bella sending over a Christmas tree an emoji and a big smile. So, thank you so, so much. You're most welcome. Um, please. I have been very good. I've, I've been mostly yes, good. they all say that. <laughs> Santa is (laughs) all-seeing. They do say that. I would like some peace and quiet. Given the chance. Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: I think that's possible. Thank you,
1: Santa Claus. (laughs) An absolute pleasure. Thank you so so much. Um, One more ho ho ho, and a jingle of the bells.
0: They're on uh, the boots, aren't they? Well, they used to be. I've lost a few over.
1: (laughs) Santa Claus on Dubai i one oh three point eight.